All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us. This is episode 431. It's getting insane how many episodes we've got, Tim. It's very cool. We're like a staple on the podcast market. It's unbelievable. I do want to apologize for not getting one out yesterday. You know, we were just set to record, Tim. Tim sent over the link. We were going to fire it up. It was going to be great. I got a call from the school. Your daughter's sick. You got to come and pick her up. She's running the temperature. Get over here now. And so I had to drop everything and I ran over there, got her. So we couldn't do an episode. So that is on me more. So that's on Sophia. She's got to take care of herself. She's got to get her sleep. I don't know what her deal is. She's got to get her act together. So that's why we were, uh, it's, she's just like, come on, get it together all night. She parties. And then she expects to get up early and go to school. You cannot burn the candle at both ends at her age. It's just impossible. She's six years old now. She's got to figure it out. So anyways, that postponed her episode, but you know what? It's okay. We'll come back strong today. We got a lot more to talk about all the new faces, new places. It's very exciting. Now we're getting into the stretch run, Tim. It's even more exciting. It's not too exciting. I'll be honest because there's not a lot of battles out there. They're all the playoff positions are pretty solidified in the East. That's been, you know, known for months now in the West. It's a little more tight. There's a couple positions up for grabs, but I'll be frank with you. I'll be honest. I think they're set. The positions right now, I don't think anyone's going to jump into the playoffs. I think Vegas is out. Winnipeg's done. Vancouver's done. Those three teams aren't showing any signs of improvement at the deadline. None of them added. They subtracted. I don't think those three teams are going to make any jumps into the playoffs. There's going to be jockeying for positions. You know, is Edmonton going to fall down to the wild card? Probably not because it's impossible because there's only three teams from the Pacific. Is Dallas or Nashville going to jump into the central conversation and get out of the wild card? That's what I meant to say. So, I don't know. Do, do you think there will be any jockeying, Tim? Is there a team on the outside right now that you see vaulting into the playoffs? Because as it stands right now, Vegas – they're four games back at Dallas, and there's one point behind them. So the, there's a, a massive chasm there to make up. In the Pacific, they're three points behind the Edmonton Oilers, and they've played two more games. So Vegas has been a complete free-for-all the last 20 games. 
is there going to be any movement? Is is a team going to jump into the playoffs? Do you think, or are we set? Do we have our sixteen teams going into the playoffs? I, I think you're probably right. Vegas lost again last night for nothing. Yep. They got shut out by the Jets. So this, this team's not looking good. If there's one team I would love to see make a run, you know what I'm going to say? Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see that. Um, I think that would be really good. But I, mm, yeah, you're probably right. The only thing, Dallas and Nashville are such, as an objective fan, those are two boring teams. I'm not excited to watch them. I'm not. There's no really exciting storylines like yeah, so like Vancouver would be so much fun, but yeah, you're probably right. You know what? I will say this: we we dog Nashville all the time, just not talking about them. They're boring. They have resurrected their season. You know what I mean? The last few years, they've been scuttling. They've been they've struggled mightily. They've been trying to bring pieces in, add, subtract, make it work. They've had a really good year. They've had a resurrected season from Ryan Johansson. Matt Duchesne's playing really well. Philippe Forsberg's back. He's playing really good. I like Nashville. I think they play hard. They got a good, solid lineup. They're a typical Nashville team. They're not going to wow you with their talent, but they just get after it. You know what I mean? This is what Nashville's always been known about. They get in, they forecheck, they get on your defensemen, and they're not going to overskill you, but they will overwill you. Will out beats skill, or I don't know what the saying is. It, it rhymes, and it's really popular with the the trainers around the league. They got to paint it all over the weight rooms. A hard work beats skill a hundred percent of the time, but uh, I don't know what it means. So Nashville definitely has the hard work part. They get in, they get on the forecheck, and they they play a good system hockey. Whereas you know the high end teams, the Colorados, the Toronto's, those guys, there's no systems there. They just go out, they throw the puck out, and they just outscale people. And they're just so incredibly skilled. They And they add in a little work ethic, and they're really, really good. But they don't have any set plan. You know what I mean? Whereas these guys, they have to have that or else they're not going to win because they don't have the skill set as some of these other teams do that they're playing. So I like Nashville. I, I know we call them boring, but it's boring because they're just so disciplined and they play the game and it's really fun to see guys work hard, get out there and get you know some success out of it. Wouldn't you say Calgary is an exception? Cause they have a lot of talent and a really strong system, right? That's yeah. like a, unlike, unlike Colorado. It's a double whammy. I, that's why when we do our preview, who's going to be my Stanley cup champion, the name could start with a C Tim. I don't know, but yeah, Calgary. Oh man. I tell you, I wax poetically about them all the time. I like the Calgary Flames. I don't see a weakness on that team top to bottom. The only, only, only maybe teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny weakness that they might have is on their back end. Maybe, maybe, but not even that much. I love their back end. I'm like Eric Goodbranson. I love that guy. I've never met him in my life. I played against him. I love the way he plays the game. He goes in there, he just does his own thing, he minds his own business, he plays the body. If someone wants to mix it up with him, he takes him behind the woodshed and he beats their doors off. And then he goes back about his business. He's just like, he's an old school defenseman. I love Eric Goodbranson, but I I don't know. There's What's the weakness on Calgary, Tim? Give me one weakness. I, I can't dare think you. Of any. I, I can't dare think you. Of any. No. Because there's none there. They don't have there's any. None. They're so incredibly good. Their pickups that they've made, uh, master, it's, it's a master class. It's a master class by Brad Trevealing. He's got a weird pronunciation of his last name. Trevealing, Trevealing, Trevealing. 
Who cares? Sorry, you know who else who doesn't care? John Carlson. We were watching clips before we came on the air. Oh, my word. It's the most embarrassing defensive play I've seen maybe in my whole life. It was a complete lack of just effort. He didn't want to be there. He thought his partner was going to pick up Brandon Sod coming through the middle. Sodder picks up the puck in the neutral zone, just skates right between the defensemen. Like, just slides the puck through, skates between him. He didn't pull off an epic deke. He just slid the puck between the left D-man skates or the right D-man skates and then just went right down the pipe. And Carlson and his partner decided not to touch anybody. Carlson especially. Didn't want to ruin his new tape job on his stick. Didn't want to. He was like, no, 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 no. I just taped this. You take him. I'm going to pick up the trailer. Sod goes in, scores. Have you, listen, this guy is supposed to be a top 10 defenseman, right? He's supposed to be that guy, right? Am I wrong? You're not wrong. And it's not that he got like exposed or Sod make him look silly. He made a choice. Like, you watch him. Watch the play. Watch it a couple times. He does not step up or poke, even stick a stick out when he's supposed to. And by the way, guess what the score of the game was at this point for this goal? 2-2. Two, two. It was one nothing. one nothing. Even Washington. worse. Yes. And so, like, <laughs> it's like laugh out loud funny watching him just watch Saad just go straight through. And he just, like, almost, if anything, he steps further away. He backs up. Like in gym class volleyball, everyone calls, I got it, I got it. And then they all back up last second and the ball drops to the ground. That's what that's, that's what Carlson did. This is your franchise defenseman who you just basically build your team around. And he's doing the old Ole on a one-on-two, basically a one-on-four. And he just, it's embarrassing. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know if there was some communication something happened, but it's a bad look for John Carlson. It's a bad look for Washington. They lost They're They were on such a good streak. What are you going to do? I just thought that was embarrassing. Kids don't do that. When you want to what four more years, his contract, he's a good defenseman. I would take him on my team, but I would definitely take him aside and be like, Johnny boy, we, what are we doing here? We, we got to be better. Don't look now, but in the Eastern conference, in the Atlantic Division, Boston's tied with Toronto. Washington's breathing down the neck of the Rangers. The Rangers aren't doing so hot the last 10. Washington's playing really, really good. Could we have some maybe switcheroos in the wild card? Maybe Toronto's losing on purpose because they don't want to play Tampa Bay. Maybe they would rather play Florida. Maybe they would rather play Carolina. Maybe they don't want to play Tampa Bay for the third consecutive playoffs and just get beat up. Maybe not the third consecutive, but they lose to Tampa Bay or Boston every single playoffs. Maybe they want to switch it up. Maybe they want to play Florida or Carolina. I don't know. I don't know, Tim, but Toronto has been playing good of late and Boston's been playing great. And all of a sudden Toronto's going to be in that first wildcard spot and they're going to be playing a one or two seed. That couldn't, that might not be a bad play by Toronto. Don't you think? Who would you rather play at this point? If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know you can't beat Tampa Bay. You know you can't do it. Why not mix it up and play Carolina or Florida? Don't you, wh- don't, doesn't that make sense to you? I know you're not throwing games, but maybe you're not playing the lines like you want to play them. Maybe you're, you know you start your second power play unit at the start of a power play. Maybe you know you, you give uh, the rookie a couple more games to get his legs under him, even though he's struggling a little bit. I don't know. Maybe there's a conversation to be had about Toronto not wanting to match up against Tampa Bay because no one's going to catch Florida. They're gone. They're too far ahead. I would not want to play the Tampa Bay Lightning if I'm Toronto. Two-time Stanley Cup champion with the additions that they just made, the the core that they have, Vasilevsky, the defense, the offense. 
They're a complete team. And Toronto still has some holes, some some big holes. I don't know. Am I am I nuts? Am I a conspiracy theorist? Do I got a metal, you know, a tinfoil hat? Am I crazy? You're not crazy, but what's, what is crazy is that Toronto didn't really address a lot of their needs at the deadline the way that other teams did. And we kind of get into that. Like, the the they, if anything, they, the gap was widened a little bit, I think. But the best teams got a little bit better. And the teams that are still legit really good, like Toronto, I'm not impressed by what they did at the deadline. Love that segue. This was the idea of the show. We were going to do a winners and losers, and I've just gone off the rails talking about random stuff. Tim is always the guy. He takes me, and he points me in the direction, and then I slowly meander off, and he brings me back. Meander. I wish you were with me in college and high school. I would have been a 4.0. I just get off get off topic, and it's just – then I'm never I, – I don't go back. Thank you for bringing me back. We're going to go through the trades, Tim. There was an NHL record trades that occurred. Well, we'll see. One of those trades might be rescinded. A slap on the wrist for the Vegas Golden Knights. Bad baby. This was not a trade. You guys are naughty. Go to your room. We'll see. So there was 30, 33 trades that officially got, got done. The ink is dry. Everything's settled. We're going to go through the winners. We're going to go through the losers. I know everybody does this. We're going to do it too because we have, we have a special take on these. Let's get into it, Tim. Basically, you nailed it at the start of the, the little segment here. The rich got richer. Every team that was a top contender went out and just got every single player possible. Everybody got better for the most part. There were some that were sitting on their hands, and we'll get to them in a second, in the losers category, where you just kind of look back and you go, I thought you were a Stanley Cup contender. Why did you not make a move? I am confused by what just happened. Well, let's get into it. So there's two... There's two winners, right? There's maybe three. Maybe there's four, but they're all residing in the Eastern Conference. The East went out. They started throwing their money around and their draft picks around, and they were making deals left and right. I think every single winner comes from the East, barring potentially the Colorado Avalanche. They, they made some decent moves, too. Let's start with the Panthers. We already talked about it before. They get Giroux. They get Sherry out. Are they the biggest winners of the deadline, Tim? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, probably they're up there. They were already arguably the best team in the league and certainly a top three. So yeah, the fact that they added, I think the best skill player who was available and one of the best shutdown defensemen, maybe the best one available at the deadline. Yeah. It's hard to not give them the, the A plus at the deadline here. Yeah. I give them an A plus plus based on the fact that a, they get, yeah, they get Ben Sherratt. They paid a lot for him, but the trade's looking really nice now because Aaron Black- Ekblad's out for the re- remainder of the season. So he's able to slot into Ekblad's spot, and they will maybe struggle a little bit because he doesn't bring the same offensive firepower as Ekblad, but he's a really good defenseman. They, they won't kind of tick downwards that much. And then the thing that's interesting with Giroux, <clears throat> I just found this out a couple of days ago where he he literally only had one team on his on his list that he wanted to go to, and it was the Florida Panthers. <clears throat> that's remarkable to me that he said going into the trade deadline – to his GM, Chuck Fletcher, I want to go to Florida, and that's it. I'm not going anywhere else. Make it happen, whatever it takes. I will not waive my no-trade clause for anybody else except for the Florida Panthers. So that kind of handcuffs your GM when you're only dealing with one team. Do you fake it? Do you call in a couple other peoples and do a deal in bad faith, knowing that that's not going to happen, and you try to leverage those deals with Florida? You know, with, with all of that, he did get a decent haul for Giroux. We got a first-rounder, Owen Tippett. The big win for the Florida Panthers right now, they, yes, they got they lost Owen Tippett. Two marquee prospects that they have, Denisenko and Semechkovich, 
are really good players who will be good for them in the, in the following years. They kept them somehow. I know GMs were kind of kicking the tires on those two guys. And I don't know if that was a deal breaker for the Panthers, but those two guys are the future of the Florida Panthers. And they did not have to relinquish those guys. You look at uh, the Colorado avalanche. We'll get to them in a second. They had to give up a, a huge prospect. Like I'm talking a huge prospect to give to the Montreal Canadiens for Baron. What's his name? Baron or Justin Baron? Such a good defenseman. The guy's going to be a stud. And they had to let him go because they wanted to secure their bottom six forwards. That's a huge weakness for them. And yes, they addressed it, but they had to give up a big prospect in that case. All right, let's move on to their interstate rivals, the Florida Panthers. It seems like these two guys are two heavyweight fighters just going blow for blow. Who's going to win that state championships going back to the high school college days. Who's the best team in the States. What did the lightning do Tim at the deadline? Well, we talked about it on Monday's show and I think this is, I mean, it sounds like such a boring thing to say, but this might be my second favorite move or the second favorite team at the deadline based on what they did. Adding Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul. We talked about it already. The, the depth, the two-way play, a little bit of offensive upside. They're responsible players. They're, they're in your face. Um, and this is exactly like Tampa knows how valuable these type of players are in a deep cup run, and they're willing to pay the price. And I think maybe other teams might be gun-shy. So um, I think really, really good moves by them to add those two players. Yeah, unlike Florida, Tampa did have to just give up everything. They gave up to get Hagel two first-round picks and and two really, really high upside forwards in Taylor Radish and Boris Katachuk. Those are two guys who are going to be good NHL players. Who knows where they'll slot in when they make it to the show, but they gave up everything. They gave up the prospects. They gave up the draft picks. They gave up everything. The reason they had to pay so high for Hagel is because he signed to a tiny contract for the next two years, $1.5 million. And the guy's going to score 35 goals next year. So if you're going to get a 35 goal score for 1.5 million bucks, and then you have him again on the hook for the year after that, that's not a bad deal. You're going to have to pay the price for that. And Chicago did get a good haul for him, but it, is Tampa Bay going to be at the bottom of the bottom of the league this year? Are they no. going to be at the bottom of the league next year? It's it's no. pretty much a second rounder. You know what I mean? You're you're going to get a 25 plus pick in the first round, so it, it's a second rounder. Very rarely do you get an impact player post 10. 15 maybe in the first round then you're just throwing darts at a dartboard you're trying to see if whatever sticks so good for tampa bay seeing a need filling it they did have to pay the price chicago got a couple good prospects and a couple good picks but you know don't look now like they're not playing wall lightning so maybe uh this will give them a little bump but who cares you know what i mean they've lost five of seven who cares they've won the cup the last two years i'm not worried they could lose 80% 80% of their games going into the playoffs. I still wouldn't be worried about the Tampa Bay Lightning. They got what it, they got the mojo, Tim. They got the juice, as the football players like to say. They got the juice, baby. And that's not an OJ reference, even though I'm a big Buffalo Bills fan. It's just a saying football players say, like, did you bring the juice today? I don't understand it. I'm not cool, but I hear it. I hear it on, like, the clips. Don't you? Do you hear that? The juice? I've never heard it. Never played football, but I like it. I'm going to use that now. I played football one year in high school. It was the worst year of my life. I absolutely hated <laughs> it. I just got pancaked into the ground every practice by seniors. And I was probably six foot five, six foot six. And I probably weighed 150 pounds. And like, you know, we're going to put you on the, on the line. I mean, this is a bad idea. And I just got dominated every single day. One year, I was like, I'm done. That, I, I hated it. Did you play? You didn't play football. 
No, never. No, you're too, no, you're more of a cheerleader type. All right, the Rangers. Uh, they what? You didn't like their moves, the Rangers? No, I'm laughing at the cheerleader thing. <laughs> hey, there's no. That's okay. Everybody needs a role, Tim. Don't be like. You're so sensitive. All right, the Rangers. <laughs> Everybody saw thought they weren't going to make any moves. They were watching the world go by. They were sitting there. Mm-hmm-hmm. Oh, there goes Giroux. There goes Sherratt. There goes Cogliano. There goes uh, Nick Paul. There goes all these guys. Nothing was happening with them. Everybody was confused. They went into this deadline. They had arguably the best defenseman, Adam Fox, for, uh, Norris Trophy winner, the MVP, Igor Shashirskin. You got Panarin. You got Zabinajad. You got all these guys, all these pieces you've added. Why aren't you doing anything? You have a bunch of cap space, more cap space than any contender out there, and you're not making any moves. What's going on, New York Rangers? Well, they finally got off their wallet. Chris Drury jumped into the game, and he gets Andrew Kopp. We talked about Andrew Kopp. I like Andrew Kopp. As uh, Dimitri Philip, what's his face, says, the guy can play anywhere. He can play him up and down the line. What was that guy's tweet? That was really funny. Yeah, I'll pull it up. But it was like exactly what we say. All the time. Well, not all the time. Uh, about some players, but he, he's like all the all the talking heads say a player they don't know who he is and he can play in up and down the lineup. Andrew Cup is. is that guy. Uh, talking head gets asked about depth player that they clearly never really watched play closely. Quote: Well, listen, this is the guy you can drop right into the lineup, and he's solid. He'll play for you, and you can never have enough of those guys. And that's that's the truth. It's the absolute truth. It's hard to like quantify players and like, oh, he's good at this. He's good at that. He's good at that. Andrew Kopp is a really good player. He can play center. He can play the wing. Maybe he's not a first round guy or first line guy. You can drop him in a second, third line. Like he is, he is a very valuable player. He kills penalties. You can put him on the power play if need be. That's not where he excels, but he's a good player. He's got playoff experience. I like Andrew Kopp. He's going to fit in well with the Rangers. Then they go out and they get Tyler Motts from Vancouver, which is another good pickup. Yeah, and you can never have enough of those guys. <laughs> so they're another winner. It's it's the arms race. It's the Panthers. It's the Lightning. It's the Rangers. Who is going to take over that division? All right, another winner for me is the Montreal Canadiens. I like what they did. Their why? first year. What you know? You yeah, don't think why? so? Well, they, yeah, I want to hear your reason. So first year general manager Kent Hughes coming into this offseason, he said he wasn't going to give anybody away. He gets the big haul for Ben Sherratt, a huge haul. People were questioning that trade, like, wow, you're giving up this guy and this guy and this guy for Ben Sherratt, who isn't a puck-moving defenseman, but he's he's a good defenseman. Everybody was surprised by the haul that the Florida Panthers have to give up. That's a win for Montreal. You're getting all these picks. Then you trade away, trade away Arteri Lycanen. Maybe he could have been resigned. Who knows? It's not easy to move on like from a player like him, but you kind of have to. You see the crystal ball, where your team's heading. They get a, an A1 prospect in Justin Barron, an A1 prospect. He was a first-round pick in 2020. It's, it's what Montreal needs. They need help on the blue line. They have, you know, they have a pretty good forward group when you look at their, their lines. It's not bad. It's something to work with. Their defense is what struggles. So to add a prospect like him, I think that was a really smart move to trade Lycanen in a way because Lycanen, he's good. He hasn't really excelled his first few years in Montreal. Let's move on. He's going to demand a big contract. I think that's a good pickup for him. I just think Kent Hughes had a good, good deadline. He got a bunch of assets for Sherratt and he got away from Lycanen, who's going to need a big contract and you get a good prospect. You can tie him up under your team for three years under the ELC. So I like what Kent Hughes did. Compare that to the other GMs who were new, the Vancouver GM who absolutely just, I don't want to get into it, but yes, 
I like the Canadian. You don't think he did that well? No, he did. I guess I hadn't thought about it, but you look at like the bottom dwelling teams that <laughs> should have been selling and should have been getting rid of pieces and they did nothing, um, which is a little questionable, which we'll talk about later on. So at least Montreal moved, moved a few pieces, got some picks and prospects. So yeah, I, I think you're right. And then I forgot the Toffoli pick. So they get a first rounder for Toffoli. And then when it's all said and done over the next three years, he picked up an extra seven draft picks with a couple first rounders kind of weaved in there. So I, I like what they did. It was uh it was a good first impression for me from Montreal's GM. Very good. All right, another winner, and then we'll move on. The LA Kings. I thought they did great. They didn't do anything, which I loved. They didn't go out there and try to make a big splash, go after a Jacob Chitrin, go after another high-end guy and try to vault themselves into a contender status. They realized where they were. Rob Blake saw you know, what was out there. And he just didn't go, he didn't do anything. I love that. I think that's a very smart move. GMs these days, they're very reactive. They want to keep up with the Joneses. They see the other GMs out there making moves and making their teams better. And they feel like by not doing anything, they're doing a bad job. So by him just kind of sitting there, letting everything play out, I think that's a smart move by the LA Kings. They have a lot of great prospects. They have a ton of cap space. They have a good season going right now. They're going to make the playoffs. Why wreck it? This is a good feeling season right now. Why go out and mortgage the future for a Jacob Chitrin just to get beat out in the second round? I, I think it's a smart move by them not doing anything. Very rarely will I say that by not doing anything, you're going to actually move your team forward, <clears throat> forward along, excuse me, but the LA Kings did it this time. Don't you think? Yeah, you're probably <laughs> right too. And this is something that we talked about with other teams in recent years where you're like, a team that's like sort of on the cusp will make a trade and trade a good prospect for a pick. And you're like, why? Like you, you're not going to do anything this year. All you've done is set yourself back a little bit further in the future. So I'm glad they stay Pat. Yeah. I can see other situations where the teams, they have unrestricted free agents or they have an older group that they, they need to win where it's the Boston Bruins or a capitals or a thing like that, where you, you know, you, you got to make a move and yes, L.A. has Kopitar, they have Dustin Brown, but they have a ton of young players to build around. They have a lot of guys, the Kempes, the Byfields, the, the Philip Denos who they got last year. So they have a lot of guys to build around moving forward. They don't need to mortgage the future just to kind of make Anze Kopitar happy. So I like what they did. It was a very smart move. You know what else I like is DoorDash, Tim. It's just, I say it every episode, it's like beating the dead horse, which in certain parts of the world, if you wanted to order horse, you can from DoorDash. So if you're in a country that cooks up a nice horse dish, get to say that five times fast. Horse dish, horse, horse dish. So horse yeah, dish. anyways, it's, it's, it's a tough one to say, but do it on DoorDash. Check it out. Use our promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada, GlovesDD US. If you're in USA, get 25% off, free delivery. You've said, you heard me say it a million times. It's because I have to. I love DoorDash. It's a good company. So check them out. Do yourself a favor. Save some money. Get some food in your belly. It's a win-win. GlovesDD if you're in Canada, GlovesDD US if you're in the US or US of A. All right. Let's get to The Biggest Losers. Remember that TV show, The Biggest Loser? You ever watched that? I, at the weight loss thing? It is. Yeah, yeah I remember. I don't have a TV. It's a lifestyle choice. Um, so I haven't really seen it in a while. All right. The losers, Tim. Oh, boy. Where do we start? Who do you want to start with on the loser side? Let's start with, a, well, we have a couple of favorites here. These teams are, <laughs> these are our favorite teams. Let's start with the Vegas Golden Knights. They're, they're uh, a disaster. Is that, is that too much of a, is that too strong of a word? Well, here's, here's the thing with the Knights. Eh, I don't want to call them a disaster. They just had bad luck this year. 
It's just, you cannot overcome all of these injuries. And I feel bad for them because if every one of their guys is on the ice, they're a top four team in the NHL, but just so happened. Every one of their star players is out. So what are you going to do? Sorry. Why are they a loser then at this trade deadline tip? Um, well, it, it's, it's funny because like they, they're a good team on paper. And I think like they're handcuffed salary wise because of all the guys that are injured and there's not really much they could do. And this is the team that I think probably they, if everyone comes back healthy, they could be dangerous again, but you're sort of stuck in no man's land with, with these injuries. You're, you're not in a playoff spot now. I haven't done anything to, to make me think they're going to be in a playoff spot. And then on top of that, you got this whole dad situation, which is just a mess. Um, and I don't think it's been resolved yet. It, right, right now it's going on between the NHLPA and the NHL. And have, have you heard about this thing going on? Yes. Poor dad enough. The guy could not be less wanted by any, every team in the NHL. It seems like you can't go to Anaheim because he put them on their no trade list. You can't go back to Vegas because they they've already you know cleared out his locker. They don't want him there. The poor guy just wants to go play hockey somewhere and no one wants him. He's stuck in hockey limbo in no man's land and he doesn't well, know where to go. It's not that no one wants him. It's like, here's here's what happened. He was traded last year at the or in, on July 28th from the Ottawa Senators to Vegas Golden Knights. And he had a, no, a 10 team no trade clause that apparently didn't get passed on to Vegas. Vegas never got that from the Senators. So they traded into the Ducks at the deadline. And the Ducks happened to be one of those 10 teams on the no no list from Dadanov. So I, care, I guess right away, Dadanov said, like, hey, they're on my no trade list. I'm not going there. And Vegas is like, what no trade list? And so now he's stuck in a place where he's been sent to Anaheim, doesn't want to go there. It's literally in his contract. Like, I can choose who are 10 teams I don't want to go to. This is one of them. I don't want to go there. He doesn't want to go back to Vegas because they just traded him. And then who's at fault here? Is it the Senators? Is it the Vegas Golden Knights? And is it him? And now they're trying to figure it out. And this this trade is still, like, could potentially go through. We don't really know how it's going to happen. But Dad and I was in a lose-lose situation here. He's kind of in... I don't know, no man's land. And I don't, I feel bad for him. I can do a quick search of him on cap friendly. And I can see that he has a no move clause or a, a no trade clause with the 10 team, no trade list. I don't know what McCrimmon is doing from Vegas saying he didn't know he had a no trade clause in his contract. When I, I could just go on cap friendly and see, Oh yeah, no, no 10 team right there. I see that. Wouldn't that be something you like, research when you start doing trade inquiries for a player on your team that's making five million dollars and who's a big piece of your team and you know you you would like to get out from under his i don't know that's something that i would look into so we'll see what happens i think he'll end up back in vegas i think they're gonna they're gonna sort through the paperwork they're gonna realize vegas messed up along the way somewhere with their expansion and this and that they're moving pieces they they didn't file something and something didn't get carried over and he ends up back with Vegas, and it's going to be super uncomfortable. And that's going to handcuff them. They're not going to make the playoffs anyways. But that means a guy like Alex Martinez can't come off the IR, and he's stuck. He won't be playing the rest of the season, and they'll just – it'll be an uncomfortable marriage for the next few years with Evgeny enough because he is signed for another year. So, I don't know. They're, they're combing through – old contracts right now and trade receipts and all this stuff from Ottawa to Vegas last year, who got sent, what the NHL should have everything filed away. Knowing the NHL, they probably don't because they just, they don't run 
like other organizations do. This, if this was the NBA, I would assume this question would be answered like that. The NHL, just for whatever reason, they just can't get out of their own way. So it's it's a messy situation. So that's why the Vegas Golden Knights are an absolute loser. It's just because there there's so many injuries. They lost last night to the Jets. They get shut out for for rep. All right, who's another loser, Tim? Another loser, the Edmonton Oilers. I've oh, done it. Boy, no, not the Oilers. Once again, this is I feel like the third year in a row we talked about this, where they're on the cusp of a playoff spot, and they've got the two best players in the world in their prime, and they don't do anything to say we would. I, I'm having deja vu right now. We talked about this last year, where it's like, okay, we're clearly not going to win this year. Let's not mortgage the future. Let's regroup and address the needs in the offseason. And then they're going to go sign like Lee Stemniak and, and Dmitry Kulikov and say, okay, we've got our pieces now. And it's just like, really? You're not going to do anything to help these guys win? And they've done it right once again. Who do they bring in? Brett Kulak and Derek Broussard. And that's fine. If you want to bring in a depth defenseman, that's fine. You gave up a second rounder for Brett Kulak. A second rounder. <clears throat> I would be interested to go and see who else got traded for a second rounder in this trade deadline of the 33 trades, if any other ones were traded for a second rounder, because that's a that's a high price to play pay for a depth defenseman who maybe doesn't even make the lineup on a night-in, night-out basis. Right? Who's he going to supplant? Chris Russell, since he's been back, has been playing pretty good. He's not going to supplant Tyson Berry. He's not going to take out the young kid, Evan Bouchard. Duncan Keith is locked in. Darnell Nurse is locked in. Cody Cece has been playing okay next to Darnell Nurse. Did you just really bring in a depth defenseman who's not going to see the ice for a second rounder? What? Do you have his contract in front of you? Do you know what is the under term? Is he like a... No, no, no. He's done. He's got one year left. This is his last year, so he's going to be UFA next year. He's making <laughs> nine hundred grand. So oh, second rounder, wow. And he's twenty eight years old. I don't understand this move. And then you bring in Derek Broussard. Okay, <clears throat> Derek Broussard was once a very good hockey player. He is thirty four years old now. In his first first stint with Edmonton, he he was good. Oh, sorry, not with Edmonton. He never was with Edmonton. He was a Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm thinking of uh, that other guy, Sam Gagne. Step on. Step on. Sam Gagne. But I don't understand this move either. Do you really need to go out and get another offensive guy? Do you think this guy is going to play in your top six? Do you think you're just going to plug him in and he's going to play on the wing with Dreinsidel or McDavid? I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what's going to happen. Is this another depth forward? You're just going to stash on the bench okay the reason the oilers are losers is because they didn't add anybody per se these guys are not going to make a difference on their team where are their weaknesses in edmonton their weaknesses are on the back end their weaknesses are their depth their third and fourth line are absolutely atrocious and their weakness is in net they have three glaring weaknesses and they don't address any of them if I am Dryan Seidel or I'm Connor McDavid, I know we haven't talked about these guys in a long time just because we made a conscious effort just to ease up. They were just – all we talked about it because it's so frustrating. You're not doing these guys any favors. When you look at all the other teams that were out there, when you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Edmonton Oilers of the 80s, when you look at the Chicago Blackhawks, when you look at all these dynasties, the New York Islanders, <clears throat> it's always a secondary cast 
that gets that, that that helps them win Stanley Cups. Yes, Yager and Lemieux were great, but you got Ronnie Francis, you got Martin Straka, you got Robert Lang, you got these guys that pick up the weight when you get locked down in the playoffs. The Chicago Blackhawks. Yes, you got Taves and Kane and Hosa. You got Sharp. You got Bickle. You got Browery. You got all these other guys who go out there, the Kopechkis. They are a, such a difference maker. You go to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes, you got Crosby. You got Latang. Well, you get a Kessel. You get a Hornfish. You get um, a Haglin. You get all these guys who are so good. Oh, Rust. They, they do so much more work in the playoffs because it's just harder. I don't know. And they're not doing it, Edmonton. They're not doing it. Do you honestly think Devin Shore, Derek Ryan, Warren Fogle, Ryan McLeod, Zach Cassian, and Brad Mc, Brad Malone are are the are the, are they the answer? It drives me bonkers, man, because we're ruining the careers of two of the best players ever to step foot on the ice. And it's 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 like deja vu. You said it. We said the same thing last year. We said the same thing the year before, and we'll say the same thing next year. It doesn't matter which GM's in there. They have to make a drastic change with this team. If you want those two guys to win, you have to make a drastic change. I don't know what that is. You have to go out. You have to get rid of some high-end guys and just change change it up because it's not working. It's not working what's going on. So the Oilers are a big loser for me. Yes, they're going to make the playoffs, but they're not going to make it off of their merit. They're making it because Vegas has an insane amount of injuries. And they slide into the playoffs as a third seed in the Pacific because no one else wants to take that position. Vegas, too many injuries. Vancouver started so terribly slow. They dug themselves such a big hole and they're having a hard time getting out of it. And none of the other teams are good. So that's what you right. want to cheer for at the end of the day. Well, it's good for you guys. You came third in the Pacific. Congratulations. The worst division ever in hockey history. <laughs> so the first round, they play LA Kings. Who do you like in that matchup? Well, there's a thing. They're two dumpy, like, I don't want to say dumpy teams. It's some, isn't that sad? The first round in the West, you're going to have LA and Edmonton with the chance to move on to be in the quarterfinals. In the East, you're going to have Pittsburgh playing the Rangers and Tampa Bay playing Toronto. Isn't that sad? It, it is. What, we got we got we to switch up the playoff format. But yes, going back to your question, I think Edmonton wins that battle. I think they do. I think they're better than L.A. L.A. is still years away, but I think Edmonton wins that battle. All right, who else is a loser, Tim? We touched on them already. The, our favorite team, the Maple Leafs. Um, I like the Giordano move more than you did. I think he's going to be an effective player. He's making his debut tonight. But like I said, the, this is not a piece that moves the needle a ton for you. Even, even Adam Blackwell was a good depth center. All the other teams added some real legitimate pieces that are going to help them win a cup run, and Toronto just didn't have that. And I, I think they were already a step behind the best teams in the East in the league. So, yeah, I'll count them in the losers column. Yeah, that's that's why they're there. You know, like I don't mind Giordano, I don't mind Blackwell. I think though, I think Blackwell, like I said, will be a bigger piece than Giordano will. But when every other team in your division in the conference is making the moves that they made, yeah, you can't call yourself a winner when everybody got that much better and you just got an eensy beansy a little bit better and you still have a massive question mark between the pipes based on Jack Campbell's injury. Is the young kid going to be the answer? The answer is no. So I don't know who else, who are the big, all right, let me just Islanders, Sabres, Devils, Islanders and Sabres didn't even make a trade. Islanders re-signed two guys, Parisi and Kyle Clutterbuck. The Devils, what are we doing here? What are we doing on the East coast? The New York state, what's going on there? What's this is what I was this is what I was referring to earlier. When I this is what I like what Montreal did, where they're just as bad, if not worse, than these teams. But they offloaded a few contracts, got a few pieces, picks, young prospects. These guys didn't do that, and I mean it's hard. It's not they're not really losers. Like they were, they had nothing really to do with the trade deadline anyway. But like 
how do you not move one player and just say, hey, let's get rid of this one veteran defenseman and grab a third rounder or something? Like, at least do something. Um, and you know the market was there. The prices were high. Like, it was, it was a seller's deadline, and they still didn't do much. Do you think anybody kicked the tires on Chara? Yeah. I bet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not enough to make a move, apparently. I don't think so. I don't think anybody wants Chara. He's too old. He's a bad hockey player. All right. Another couple more losers, and we'll get out of here. Ottawa Senators. What a... Okay, Travis Hominick, good defenseman, you know, not great, good, good NHL defenseman. From all things we've heard from Vancouver, even the players themselves, when he left the room, they said he was a cancer in the locker room. Yeah, what's up with that? Did you see that? I did. Um, Why on earth, if you have a young Ottawa Senators team, would you go out and acquire a player? A, he's an okay defenseman. Right. Like he, he's not going to win any Norris trophies anytime soon. Why would you go out and get a defenseman at all? And then add on to the fact that a guy, he has a bad track record. It doesn't take much to call around and say, what's going on with Travis Hamannick? There's a reason he's on the market. There's a reason he hasn't played. There's a reason the guys don't like him. He's at locker room cancer. I don't know what the reason is there, but it's, it's, it's real. And for him to get traded for a third rounder, which is insane to me. And then you put him in this room that seems to have something good going. Yes, they don't have the pieces yet, but when you got a Kachuk and you got all these young players and you want to build their confidence and you want to create good vibes, do you really want to put someone in there that's potentially going to just infect these players? And I know people might think I'm overselling this, but it does make a huge deal when you put – What's the old saying? One's bad apple spoils the whole bushel. Something like that. It, this is what can happen. It can really affect people. It can affect their work ethic, the way they think about hockey, the way they carry themselves. So I don't understand what Ottawa's doing. It doesn't make sense to me. Why do this? I don't get it all. They're not getting anything. They just traded this guy. They got this guy for a third rounder. I don't understand it. He signed for one more year. He makes $3 million. He's 31 years old. He's a shell of him for himself. It's a bad deal. I don't get it. Their GM, when he came in out, Dorian, we're going to be competitive this year. Remember that in the offseason? Yeah. This is our season. We're going to yeah. take the next step. Yeah. Just clowns. Dude, I don't know. Was that a report yesterday, the first you'd heard about Hamannick, or is that, did he already have a reputation for that that you'd heard? He's had a reputation. He's, has problem with, he's had problems in Vancouver for, for a little bit this season. So I don't know. Yeah. There's certain guys that you know are not good in the locker room and guys don't like them overall, and he was one of them. So now he's in Ottawa, so it's it's their problem. All right, the last team I want to say is a loser. Same issue as the Leafs where they, they're at the creme de la creme. It's the Carolina Hurricanes. The, I didn't even realize they got Max Domi until like a few hours after the deadline. It was just – I was going through all the trades again. I looked down. I'm like, yeah, they got Max Domi. It depends on which Max Domi they get. He could potentially be a, a top six guy if he plays like he did when he was in Montreal when he got 72 points in 82 games and he was just out of this world. Or is he the last guy you're getting from the last few years in Columbus where he's just doesn't seem to be in it, takes a lot of bad penalties, makes a lot of bad mistakes, and he's just not the same guy that he was. So we'll see what Max Domi, the Carolina Hurricanes, get. But all in all, very lackluster trade deadline. And maybe they were paying the price for that offer sheet they gave to Montreal, the first rounder. They had to give up their first rounder for Kokiemi. Kokiemi, who they just signed for an eight-year deal. But I don't know. 
the rich got richer and the hurricanes got Max Domi. You know, we'll see how Maxi plays. I like Maxi, but who's he going to be? With a real Max Domi, please stand up. Do you know that one? Slim Shady. All right. Yeah, I've heard it once or twice. And then I was the, another team I want to talk about is the Minnesota Wild. I had a hard time placing them. I had them in the winners. I had them in the losers. I had them in the middle bracket. I don't know where to put the Minnesota Wild. They got the biggest goaltending piece on the market in Mark Andre Fleury. They got Jacob Middleton and a good defenseman from San Jose, who's you know a good hard nosed defenseman. Where do you put them? Are they a winner? Are they a loser? Are they thinking that, okay, we were the best team in the NHL for a good month and a half when our goaltenders were playing well, Cantabo was playing really good. All we need is a goaltender. They answer all our questions. Or was that an apparition? They just, you know, were playing well that month and now they're falling back into the real team that they are. I don't know. I don't think Marc-Andre Fleury makes them a Stanley Cup contender. He does make them better. But I just think when you look at the rosters, when you look at the way the teams have been playing lately, they're a step behind the Calgary and the Colorado in the Western Conference. They're actually, I, I like this deadline for them, and they're a better team than I think I realized. So in, in my mind, like they got Kaprizov, he's their 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 offensive spark plug. But I kind of thought them like they needed they needed offense, they needed forward, they need to add some firepower up front. I didn't realize, John, they're fourth in the league in goals four, only one goal behind Toronto. So wow. like really third, and I didn't know that. Um, so I think adding, our, you know, the best goalie available at the deadline in Flurry, adding a tough defenseman to an already very strong defensive core. We've we spent a lot of time talking about how good their decor is. I'm I'm good with them. I like this team. I don't know that they're they can beat a Florida or a um, Calgary, you know, in a seven game series. But I it wouldn't blow my mind. And I think this is a good team that people are sleeping on a little bit. So I, I like them a lot. And they get a Nikki Delorier, who I think is the best tough guy in the NHL. I like Nick Delorier. He goes out there. He's a gamer. He hits. He's fast. He knows his role, and he does it very well. I like Nick Delorier. If I'm taking a tough guy in the NHL for my team, one of the legit tough guys, he's my number one pick. Over Revo, over McDermott, over all the other guys, Nick Delorier. He can chip in a point every once in a while. He's got a cannon for a shot. I've seen it firsthand. But anyways, I think got, he scored his first game last night did. the night before. Yeah. Yeah, he's fearless. I like this guy. So, you know, maybe they are a winner, I guess. You, you talked to me. The Minnesota Wild are a winner. You know what? We're going to make these listeners a winner, Tim. What's our points bet pick of the night? Let's make it happen. There's some big games. Big games. This is Maple exciting. Devils. Maple Leafs Devils, I'm, baby. I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I'm going to mix it up. We've been mostly doing money line, which is just picking the, the winner. Vancouver Canucks are playing in Colorado. I'm going to like the over for that game. I'm not going money line. I'm going over six total goals in that game. Pound the over. I think this is going to be a, a running gun game. Both high powered offenses that don't that don't play lockdown defense. Give me the over for six goals there. Plus, I love that. Yeah, uh, they're going to get eight, eight, nine goals in that game. I bet. Good pick, Tim. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll get back to you um, on Friday potentially. I hope everybody has a good day and we'll talk to you soon cheers thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with john scott a member of the nation network of podcasts subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode delivered by doordash